Well, I want to go ahead and encourage you to turn to Revelation chapter 1. Um, we're going to be reading out of Revelation chapter 1 here in just a second. But before we do that, I want to remind us uh, that last week, if you weren't here, we began a journey through the book of Revelation. And if you weren't here last week, you know that last what we were looking to do was to try to set some foundations. And one of those core foundations was uh, to be reminded of kind of why or to think about why we were engaging the book of Revelation in the first place. And if you remember, uh, we said that we were doing so because we are, as the people of God, in a battle. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, whether we recognize it or not, we're in a battle, and we need to be aware of that battle. We need to be prepared for that battle because we as the people of God have been called to engage in that battle. And so we started with that basic foundation, and then we started to talk about some basic principles as well. Uh, we talked about wanting to look at this as a picture book, not a puzzle book, that we're not trying to put all the different pieces of Revelation into place and understand where we are in things right now. We, we talked about the value of imagery and how it stirs us. And so here's what I just encourage you. If you missed last week and you're, this is your first time back with us or maybe you heard about this series and, and you wanted to jump in or you just weren't able to be here last week, I really, really, really encourage you to go and, and listen to last week's sermon in our podcast, go to our website website on resources and hear, uh, hear that sermon because there are so many things there that really lay a foundation for us as we jump into uh, Revelation because we kind of did um, intro last week in regards from our perspective and this week we're looking at an intro from uh, the actual book of Revelation and so that's what we're doing this morning. And so we are going to be reading uh, Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 through 8 so please stand with me out of respect for God's word and then I will turn it over to Pam Rivera who's going to read for us um, out of God's word and actually it says, not just out of God's word, but reading God's word. This is God's word for us as his people. So Pam, I'll pass it off to you. All right, good morning. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the world of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Church, hear the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we need you to guide us, to lead us by your spirit. And so we invite him to be present here with us as your people, asking him to 
um, lead us to the truth as you promised that he would. And when you said that you would not leave us as orphans. And so, Lord, please do that with us this morning, for us this morning. Uh, Father, as we will see so often in this book, the, the calling, um, Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that you are trying to reveal to us today. Uh, Father, ask and pray all of these things knowing fully uh, that I am insufficient to communicate the glories of what is in this book. Uh, And so we need your presence with us. We just ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So as a reminder of what we're looking at here, we are looking at a revelation. We see it right there in verse 1. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And remember last week we talked about that revelation um, is, means apocalypse. It means unveiling. And so this is, a, this is what we are beginning to see. We're seeing an unfolding, an unveiling for us as God's people what God is doing now and what God intends to do in history and into the future. And he's doing that for us, his people, so that we are not left in the dark, so that we have an understanding of what it is that he is trying to accomplish and what his purposes are in that. And as I already stated, like we cannot forget that in the midst of all of this, we're in the battle. But what's amazing in this unveiling is that God has a very intentional purpose for you and for me and for every single Christian that has ever gone before us that's read this book and for any one of the Christians that will come after us who will read this book. Now, what is that intention? Why is he giving us this unveiling? Well, it's right there in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Look at it with me again. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So here's what he wants for us. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. Uh, that's, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a huge deal because we now see what it is he's trying to get at. You know that this is the only scripture or the only book in all of the scriptures. So from Genesis to Revelation, this is the only one that at the beginning gives us a promise of blessing if we read it, hear it, and keep it. It's the only book. That should mean something to us, shouldn't it? Now, we hear all kinds of blessings throughout Scripture. In fact, some of our favorite texts of Scripture are the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, where it talks about being blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. And we we love that text in the Sermon on the Mount. This text promises a blessing. And what's amazing is we look into the book of Revelation is there's actually seven blessings that are given to us throughout the book. Now, remember last week I told you that numbers mean something. Seven means something throughout the book of Revelation. When you see the number seven, what what is being communicated to us is this idea of wholeness and completeness and fullness. So here's a question. Do you want the full, complete blessing of God? Okay, there's like two people. All right. Do you want the full and complete blessing of God? Amen. Yeah, yes, we do. Like, that's what we want. And, and so here at the beginning of Revelation, we're said, like, blessed are those who, who hear and read this, these words of this prophecy. And like, that's a massive blessing for us. And since we want that blessing, we need to then ask the question, like, how is it that we can gain that? And what does that blessing actually look like? Well, here's the thing that's unique about Revelation. We're in the Beatitudes. We see blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And in this text, we see a promise of blessing. The rest of the blessing text in Revelation actually tell us what the blessing is. You know, everyone will know. When you say, like, hey, God bless you, or I want to be blessed, or, or I'm blessed today, 
and you say, man, I want to pray that my wife is blessed today or my husband is blessed today or that the Lord gives blessing upon our kids, do you know what you're asking for? Now, Revelation tells us. He tells us what some of the blessings of God are. So let's just look at it real quickly. You'll see these themes throughout Revelation. I'm not going to talk specifically about these because we'll get to them later. But we first and foremost, in the blessings of Revelation, see the promise of blessing in Revelation 1.3. Secondly, we see the blessing of rest, eternal rest. So we talk about being blessed. We are going to gain, those who are blessed are going to gain the blessing of rest. Sometimes I feel like I need rest. Yes, you've been talking to my wife. Then we also see a blessing of not being exposed, being protected, guarded. We see the blessing of an invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We see the blessing of not experiencing the second death. We see the blessing of confidence when Jesus returns. Anybody want that? We see the blessing of access to the tree of life and the entrance into the city of God. And so when we read in Revelation chapter 1, 3, that blessed are those, he doesn't just tell us what the blessing or that we're going to be blessed. He says, here's the kind of blessing you're going to get. You're going to get rest. You're going to be exposed. You're going to have an invitation into the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're not going to experience the second death. You're going to have confidence when he returns. Like, in Revelation, we see and get a glimpse of what blessing actually looks like in its fullness, in its totality. How we engage and interact with Revelation in some ways is going to be driven by our desire for his blessing. And you know what? That's okay. It should drive me to be faithful to want to not have to suffer the second death. Like, that's okay. Like, that's a good thing. Now, we think about the blessing. How is it going to come? We'll go back to Revelation 1, 3. Blessing comes to those who hear. Now, that's important, isn't it? Now, I love the Greek word there because it doesn't just mean, well, I just heard something. It means this, to hear with intention. To hear with intention. Listen, we all know that we can hear without intention, can't we? I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not, but have you ever been invited to like a fundraiser? You know, there's those times where someone will, they'll, they'll be invited to a fundraiser and they're like a table host and they got to bring all their friends to the fundraiser and you get a free meal and you get to listen to a fantastic speaker. I've been invited to those before. And, and, and here's the thing. I'm like, oh, okay. Nice night with my wife. Get to dress up, get to have a steak dinner, get to listen to a cool speaker but I have no intention on giving. Like, maybe I'm just the bad person that feels that way sometimes. Well, like you, you're like, okay, I'll go and I'll hear, but I don't have any intention on actually doing what they're asking me to do. Like, they, you know why you're going. You know what they're trying to get out of you. You know their intention, and you have no intention to follow through with it. But man, the steak dinner looks great. Like, we've all listened that way, whether it's to a, a parent like you hear them, but you don't have an intention on really hearing them. Or a boss, maybe a sermon. Surely that's never been the case here, right? Maybe you've even one of those people that were like, ooh, free vacation, and all I have to do is sit and listen to a spiel about some kind of a timeshare, but I have no intention on buying the timeshare, right? So we understand that you can hear in a certain way that there is no intention to follow through with anything that's going on. 
And if we come to this in unveiling, this revelation that Jesus is giving to John only to hear, man, you just want to gain knowledge. You want to learn some things, some unique things. You want to be able to tell some people about all the different cool stuff in Revelation and be able to say, this is what the dragon means and this is what the beast is. But you have no intention behind your hearing. You will not receive the blessing. That's hard to hear. But what should our intention be? Well, it's there in verse 3. So blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear with intention, but then what? Who keep what is written in these words. So here's the intention. Here's the desire. You hear what is here with the intention to keep what is written in these words words. Blessing will come to those who hear with the intention to keep. I spent a lot of time reading, listening to people who have spent lifetimes studying the book of Revelation. As I've said before, there's a bibliography you can get if you call the church office. Um, That's available to you if you want to see some of those resources. But one of my favorite resources was one by a gal named Nancy Guthrie, and it's called Blessed. And she contends, and I really fully agree with her, that the biggest challenge in the book of Revelation and looking at the book of Revelation is not understanding every detail or the imagery that's there, but is keeping what we hear. Listen to her quote. She says this, The biggest challenge is opening ourselves up to the adjustments in our lives that this book calls for. Yet this biggest challenge is also what promises the greatest blessing. Opening ourselves up to the adjustments in our lives that this book calls for. That, that hits hard, doesn't it? Like, when we come to the book of Revelation over the next whatever 16 or so weeks, are you open to the adjustments that it is calling for in your life? Like, are you here to hear with intention to keep what it is that's in this book? And not just in the book of Revelation, but throughout the scriptures, when you come to the scriptures. Hearing without the intent of making adjustments that are called for is not going to lead to blessing. In fact, what you're going to find is going to lead to some pretty dangerous places. Listen, there's people all over the place in Christian world who, man, they come to the scriptures, they come to church, and they want to hear knowledge, and they want to gain certain things, and they want to feel better about themselves. But at the end of the day, they have no intention at actually doing what the Lord tells them to do. They have no real intention to say, okay, I'm going to lay down what I'm going to do and what I want for the sake of what he tells me to do. And this scripture is very, very clear. Blessing won't come to those. Blessing, and remember the kind of blessing we're talking about, is going to come to those who hear it with the intention of keeping it. Now, we're never going to be perfect in keeping it, are we? But do we have the intention to keep it? Blessing is promised to those who hear with the intent to keep. In other words, they're going to make or seek to make adjustments to their lives based on what is written based on what is written, what has been revealed, what has been given to us. Why? What the scripture tells us is because the time is near. This revelation is for here and it's for now. It's for you, it's for me. 
This is very much in contrast to what we see in Daniel. You remember last week I talked to you that everything we see in Revelation is something that we typically have seen somewhere else. And Daniel is one of those really heavy places where you see those things being given to us in other parts of Scripture. And this phrasing is taken almost straight out of Daniel chapter 10, verse 14. It says this, the angel came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the, for the vision is for the days yet to come. Now here's the point. The emphasis is that for what Daniel saw, it was a long way off. But what John is giving to us, it's near. So what Daniel saw, that was a long ways to come. But for us, for those of us that see now what Daniel's seen, like it is near. This promised blessing, it was so far away for those who were reading in Daniel's day, but it is near to those who are reading in the first century, the third century, the 14th century, and for you and me right now. So here's why this matters. If you are waiting in your life to take your faith with Christ seriously, until some of the things in Revelation happen, it's going to be too late. Like if you're waiting to say, man, I'll get to listening to what God has for me when I become 30. Or man, after, I, after I'm out of college, like I just want to sow my wild oats a little bit. Like I'll, I'll get to that. Like you're going to come to a place where you find that it's too late. This is for right now, right here. Are you going to hear with the intention to keep or do you not have that intention? Because again, if you're waiting until you see the beast come out of the sea, it's going to be too late. Like, I cannot emphasize that enough. And people do it all the time. Like, oh, I'll get to this later on in life. Like, when I'm in my, in my 50s or my 60s or whatever that is, like, then I'll give myself to the Lord fully. Until then, I'll go to church. I'll be a nice person. I'll read the Bible. I'll do some good things. But I'm not really going to lay everything down before him. That is an unbelievably dangerous place to be. But what is even more important is where this revelation comes from. That matters, doesn't it? Because if what we're going to read in this book and throughout the scriptures is a message that originates with John or anybody else, then I don't feel like that's very important to you. It might be interesting to read, but it's not really that important If John is just writing a story like the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, then what real hope of blessing can you and I have? Because John is dead. John is gone. He can't give blessing to anybody. In fact, the message is only as valuable and important as the one who sends the message, which is why John, right here at the front of Revelation, now turns our attention to who is doing the revealing. And we see right off the bat that this message comes from the triune God. A lot of times people will say, well, the Trinity is not in the Bible. And it's true. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. But even right here in Revelation, starting in verse 4, we see the Trinity in full view. We see a promise where he says, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's God the Father. That is the one who we will see later on in these visions sitting upon the throne. That is the almighty God. He is the one who is and was and is to come. And then right after that, we see in the same picture, and this revelation not only comes from him, but also from the seven spirits that are before his throne. Then you say, okay, wait, does God have seven different spirits? No, no, remember what the word seven means or the number seven is? 
Seven means completeness and fullness, wholeness. And so we're not saying, John's not saying that he saw seven individual units of spirits before the throne of God. What John is seeing is the fullness and the completeness and the power of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So in here, you have the Father, you have the Spirit, and then we also have, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of this earth. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the source of this revelation. Now, that, that's profound. If I'm telling you to do something, you can likely just choose not to do it. Because I just, I don't have that much authority. My wisdom is, is not all that great in and of itself, right? But if the living God is telling you to do something, if he's revealing something to you, if he's the one promising blessing, like that matters. It matters. And he's doing it so that he can extend to us grace and peace. It's right there in verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him. Grace and peace from the triune God. Here's a very important point. And people get this missed a lot when they come into the book of Revelation. God is not giving this revelation to John to make you fearful or concerned, or to feel like you don't understand what's happening, or to bring chaos in your life, or division in the church. He is giving this revelation to deepen your peace and your ability to walk in his grace. Not to make you fearful. Not to do that. And this is so important because, as we said last week, it's more about how we live in light of Jesus' return than it is about when he is going to return. As the days turn to months and the months turn to years and the years turn to decades and then centuries and millennia, the church is is called to abide in his grace and his peace that comes only from knowing that the almighty triune God has unveiled to his people a heavenly viewpoint so that we might walk in that grace and peace, in boldness and confidence that we might endure. We can do this because not only does this message come from the triune God, but it also comes from our liberator, doesn't it? Verses five and seven. Who does this revelation come from? From Jesus, the faithful witness. That's a great place to start, right? He's true. He's faithful. He gives you and tells you only what is true. He's the firstborn of the dead, meaning he's the first one of many to be raised from the dead in a physical form. He's the ruler of the kings of this earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. You know why we need this? You know why we need to be reminded of this as we process through Revelation? Two reasons. One, first one, because making the adjustments to our lives that this book calls for is hard. Do you you feel that? If you've been walking with Christ at all and you've tried to walk faithfully, you know it is hard. 
not only is it hard day in and day out to fight the flesh you have, it's hard because this world is getting darker and darker and pressing harder and harder and harder against the people of God, isn't it? Like we need to be anchored to the character and to the nature of the one who's giving us this message because it is hard to be faithful. It is hard to endure. And the second reason is because as the world darkens and as we, our weight extends, we have to know him. That's why he gives us this. We have to know the one that's behind the message. It's from Jesus. He is the ruler over all the kings of earth. All of them. Saddam Husseins, the Donald Trumps, the Joe Bidens, the Vladimir Putins, the Ayatollah Khamenei's, on and on the list goes. He rules them all. Don't forget this. Be anchored to this. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And then here's the best part. And he loves you. He loves us his people, his church. He has freed us from our sins. How did he do so? By just doing it? No, no, by his own sacrifice, by his own death, by his own blood. He was willing to pay the price. He freed us at great expense to himself. He loves us. The ruler of all the kings of the earth loves you to the point of death. He didn't just leave us there. He's making us a kingdom. He's giving us a purpose. He's calling us to be priests and priestesses of of God. And he is going to be glorified and have dominion. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second because I say that a lot. I I ask you and I make the question say, amen. And oftentimes, I'm not sure we all know exactly what I'm saying and what is being said in the scripture. When we say amen or when I say that, what we are saying, and by the way, when you say amen, when you pray, What you are saying, that's not like the dear John, just the closing of the letter that you have to give so that God hears you. It means something. Amen means let it be. May it be true. And so when we hear in this text something like this, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen, man, let it be. Let that be true. And the reason why that's important is because throughout the book of Revelation, we should say amen over and over and over again. Studying what God is doing in this world, studying what God is about to do in this world, like amen, because of this, he defeated death. He is going to accomplish all that he intended to accomplish. He is going to come on the clouds. And don't miss this. In that moment, every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of earth will wail on account of him. That's kind of scary, isn't it? You know what that's trying to tell us? Is that one, remember the blessing of having confidence in Jesus? So what that means is we're taken out of the tribes of earth and we're put into the kingdom of God. All outside of that kingdom, when they see Jesus come, they're going to wail. Even so, let it be. Even so, let it be. But that is a weighty reality, isn't it? There are only going to be two types of people when Jesus comes back on the clouds. 
And if you don't know Jesus, you need to hear this. There's only two. There are those who will stand in confidence and they will be going, amen, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. We're excited. Yes, come. Take this away. Remove the darkness. Remove the death. Remove the suffering. Bring us into your kingdom. Let's go. And then there will those who will wail and they will say, what was I thinking? There's some in this room right now, you don't believe any of this stuff. One day you will believe it because you will see it. And you will wail. And God, in his grace and his mercy, is giving us this revelation so that you can see it so you won't be one of the ones wailing. So you can be with the ones that experience the blessing. And so when we say amen, let's say amen. Men, let, let it be. Let it be. We also see that this comes from the present one. He's the Alpha and the Omega. This communicates to us that He is the one who is giving this, the one who is giving this, He is sovereign, not only over and during the beginning of things. He's not only sovereign at the before he formed any of it, and, he not only, he, and he's not only sovereign at the very end of it all, but he is sovereign over every moment in between. So here, here's the point. He is just as sovereign over Tuesday as he is over the day he formed everything out of nothing. He is just as sovereign over Tuesday as he will be the day he takes the enemy and puts him into the, the pit. Like, he is just as sovereign over Tuesday. And I don't know why I think Tuesday is just like, maybe it's the most monotonous day of the week, I guess, right? right? But he is just as sovereign over that day as he is when the chariots come and finish all of this. When he comes out on the clouds, he's just as sovereign over every single day because he is the alpha and he is the omega. Beginning and the end. And you know who else he is? He is, he was. And he is to come. And you just think about this. Does that strike you as a strange way to say it? Like it's not chronological. Shouldn't it be he was, he is, and he is to come? You think it's an accident that Jesus is revealing himself this way to John? No, no. He is, he was, and he is to come. This is meant to give us courage. Because the one who gives us this message, he is here right now. Right now. He is right now. It's meant to give us courage and confidence because when we look at history, when we look at what is happening in our day today, in this world we live in, what is happening in our lives, and as he reveals to us the spiritual realities that are happening all around us and what is coming, like, let's be honest. Like sometimes, and it's terrifying. It, it really is. I mean, you just look at our history. We're not getting better. Like, like there was a day in which we thought, ooh, everything is getting great, and, and it seems like the world is getting better and better and better, and then things like World War I happened, and World War II, and then on and on and on. Things just seem to spiral deeper and deeper and more and more out of control. And you read the rest of Revelation, we're going to see hailstones and peeling back of the sky and earthquakes like that stuff is terrifying. But the message is, no, no, don't fret. Have courage. 
endure. Hang in there, church, just a little bit longer. It's all in hand because he is right now. He is right now. He's got this and he loves us. He freed us. He's sovereign over it all. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's right now in this moment and he was in every moment of the past no matter how much it seemed like it was spiraling out of control for past generations, no matter how much it's going to seem like it's spiraling out of control for future generations, he is. He's there. I don't know who said this. I heard it a long time ago, but it's always stuck with me. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds today. And I know who holds me in the midst of today. And I know who holds all of his church in the midst of today, no matter what you're going through. Another quote from Nancy Guthrie, talking about the goal of Revelation. The goal is to live it. It's to keep it. To obey it. The goal is patient endurance. The goal is to overcome this world's pull towards compromise and apathy and idolatry. The goal is to one day be clothed in the white robes of Christ's righteousness, to hear our names read from the Lamb's book of life, to be sealed and sanctified and saved. Like that is the goal. So let me reemphasize as we close our time. Do you want the blessing of God. And listen, I'm not talking about a mansion. Listen, some of y'all have mansions, that's great. God's good, God gives every good gift. That's fantastic, but that's not the blessing he's talking about, and that's not a guarantee for any of his people. The blessing he's talking about, and what I'm talking about, when I ask you the question, do you want the blessing of God, it's do you want to eat from the tree of life? Do you want to stand in confidence, or do you want to wail? Do you, want, do, you, do you want to defeat the second death? Do you want to be raised from the second death? Like, like, what is it that you want? Do you want the blessing of God? His rest and his protection, his righteousness, the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And as we come together over the next 16, 17 weeks, how will you come to our time together? Will you come prepared? Will you come to hear what the intent with the intent of keeping what we hear, what the triune God has liberated you to hear and to follow and to keep and to walk in. Obedience is the goal of revelation. Revelation doesn't do us any good if we don't walk in the truth of what was revealed. So practically speaking, when things hit the fan in this world, when things hit the fan in this country, in our families, in our personal lives, in our personal walk, as one who is confident in the one who's freed you, will you walk as one who is confident in the one who's freed you? We walk as one who is trusting the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Will you trust him to crush Satan at the end of days? Revelation is called to live faithful, radical, God-fearing lives. For blessed is he who hears and keeps what is written in this book. My prayer See, if we've come to the Lord's word, revelation or any other part of it, without the desire to hear, with the intent to keep, that we would simply repent. And, and listen, I, I know this is hard, and I'm going to take a little bit of a rabbit trail because I think it's so important for us to be here. Like, listen, 
If you hear, wives, the Lord say, submit to your husbands as the Lord submits to the Father, and you say, nope, that's not for me, that's a dangerous place to be. If you're a husband and you come into this church and you come to this service every week and you hear what the Lord says and he says, love your wife as the Lord, as Christ loved the church, and you say, yeah, I hear that, but I have no intention on doing it. If you're stuck in lustful lifestyles or vanity or drunkenness and you know it and you have no intention of obeying your Lord, I am pleading with you to repent and come back to him. Because he is very clear, the blessing that we're talking about comes to those who hear with the intent to keep his word. Listen, you're not going to be perfect. I'm going to say that again. But don't come to church every single week thinking that coming into this building or reading or knowing some verses is going to save you. He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and was and is to come, and he accepts nothing but full allegiance to him. That's what he's called us to. Don't play the religious game. You're better off not playing it at all. And I know that's hard here. But man, I know there are so many people in this space, there are so many people in the church that you listen and we listen and we have no intention on taking anything out of Sunday but some knowledge. Will you make the necessary adjustments that his word demands? It's hard. Man, sometimes I walk out of something and I have the intent to keep it, and I keep it for like 20 minutes. But at least there's an intent. And then you know what we do? We come back and we come to the grace of Christ and we say, I'm sorry, God, I confess that sin. I confess that I failed to do that. I'm gonna keep walking in your grace. I'm gonna keep walking in your mercy. I'm gonna keep walking in your love, and I'm gonna keep striving to keep what you've called me to be. This is the call of the church. And so I simply ask this question. And my prayer is, as we engage it, if you want the blessing of God and you know that you have no intention when you came into this morning on actually trying to keep what it is he's given to us, I call you to repent to that. And I pray that you do. Because if that isn't your goal, if we aren't going to make the adjustments to the way we live, then we're not going to receive the blessings. And, and I'm not saying that you can earn your salvation. That is not what I'm saying, so please don't take that. We are saved by faith. Second, my prayer is for you here this morning that don't know the living God. If you're here, I, you're here for a reason. You're listening to this for a reason. I don't know why you came. I don't know what it is, but my prayer is that you see that there is a sovereign hand behind history. And he's trying to, he is not trying, he is going to accomplish that which he is going to accomplish. And he will come back again, and he will come on the clouds. And when he does, you will be one of two people. And if you know that you are in a place right now where you do not have confidence to stand before him, man, I would plead with you, don't leave this day without making that sure. And all you have to do is cast your trust upon Jesus. That's it. For everything, not just salvation, but for everything.
He's the way, the truth, the life. I, I don't know what else to do. Like, he's everything I've got. He will carry you through that moment. And he will promise to give the blessing that he is made in these texts. My prayer is that you would see it. In the end, truth is truth. And my prayer for you is that you would see that truth and humble yourself to his sovereignty, to his power, to his glory, to his love, to his holiness, so that you might have the same confidence that so many of us in this room do. I want to pray. Father, this text that you've given to us, this, this, this revelation, it's not even just to text, but what you've given to us through your servant John is such a challenge. Like, to hear with the intent to keep. I, I hear that promise, and even in my own heart, like I know in my own strength, I don't have the ability to keep these things, and yet you've called us to do it. You've called us to strive. You've called us to, to, to walk in the power of your spirit who would empower us to faithfulness and to endurance. Father, I want to pray for any who's here listening this morning, whether they're in this room or they're online. Lord, if, if they've not been walking in a way that desires to keep what it is that you've called them to do. But they've got little sections of their life that are cordoned off where they want to say, no, I'm going to continue to be God here. or I'm going to continue to be the one who rules this part of my life. I'm going to continue to do what I want to do in this area. Like, I, I pray, Father, that you bring them to repentance by your spirit. Father, for the rest of us, We can have intent to keep all day long and we're going to fail. And so I pray, Lord, you'd help us to abide in your love and you'd help us to continually come back and to confess our sins so that you will forgive and be faithful and just as you promised to. Father, I want to pray for those that are here that don't know you. Lord, in the next couple of moments, may you just press upon their heart. Like, like I, don't want, I don't want to wail when Jesus comes back on the, on the clouds. Like, I want to I rejoice. I want to say amen. I want to say maranatha. I want to ex be excited for that day. I want to long for that day. I want to look for that day. Father, I pray that you would just, any that, that, that can't say that right now, Lord, that you would just lay it upon their heart. You would give them a boldness to come and talk to one of us during this response song, to just pray with a pastor, pray with an elder. Take that step of faith, just a small one. I pray that they might find confidence in you, in you alone. Father, you, you are the one who sits upon the throne as we see, we'll see. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the one who is right now, who was, who is to come. You are our liberator. You are the one who has freed us. You're the one who has paid our debt by your blood. You've made us a kingdom. Father, I pray that you would continue to lead us forward as your people. I ask these things in your name. Amen.